Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to discover more through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast will serve as a space to exchange ideas from the collective experience. What do you think? So you said everything is within. Then why do people have so many blocks and issues? Like, is it themselves at the end of the day? Like, I've heard of you're the only person standing in the way kind of thing. So does that kind of come full circle with the idea of beliefs and what you're telling yourself over and over again? Yeah, I think it comes down to unhealed emotional trauma, like like we were talking about. And the way that trauma manifests is not only in your beliefs, but there's also like very physiological manifestations of trauma as well. So um, like your your vagus nerve is one of the nerves that runs from your brain and it's kind of what controls your parasympathetic nervous system. So what actually will help you to relax. And so people who have unhealed emotional trauma, they actually have frayed vagus nerves. And so they're, they're literally the, the mechanism that calms you down mm-hmm. doesn't work anymore. And so like if, if we could just heal people's emotional traumas, then that would change their beliefs and they would be able to take a different action and they would be unstuck. And what you see is people who have unhealed emotional trauma for too long, they just give up on the idea that they can ever heal it. So like going back to my grandfather, I recently reconciled our relationship and just like getting a taste of who he is immediately like one of the first things that he brought up to me was like something that happened to him as a child and I was like that was 70 years ago old man like give it up and then you know for me to be able to say that it's like I'm able to say that because I know that while it is extremely difficult to heal your emotional trauma it's possible but he's somebody who doesn't even see that possibility anymore and so he's not able to retain a relationship with anyone because he is just so broken and hurt from his emotional trauma and that's eventually how it manifests itself is you get into like personality disorders and you develop things like schizophrenia ADD like all of these different things they could all be solved by healing your emotional trauma because all everything comes down to you know your brain regulation and and just says something as simple as your vagus nerve like if that's not operating properly then your brain chemistry is going to be all kinds of fucked and you got to make more dopamine to counteract the fact that you're always in sympathetic mode and too much dopamine causes schizophrenia and then all of a sudden like you're seeing shit because you got raped when you were a kid and you never did anything about it so i've heard a saying that your body is the perfect accountant so every instance or every situation that happens to you your body takes account of even if it might come in one ear out the other you don't exactly intentionally remember it but your body does right it's all stored kind of subconsciously in your body and then i guess transforms into your belief so you know every night out of drinking or every all-nighter that you pass through it stresses your body out and i think that's a big thing that these trauma healings kind of help with i think it's kind of a continuous process all the time of working through old stories but also things like meditation and getting the proper rest and really caring for your body which you know it is kind of bought like right a mind body relationship rather than not just the physical but also the mental transformation yeah also i just want to almost point talk about what chi chi just talked about it's a very powerful concept because i feel like now 
it's kind of cool that the whole mental issue and mental health is being destigmatized in a lot of ways and it's no longer a taboo subject and expertise and people celebrities or just commoners like us are willing to talk about it right because i think discussions and intentional dialogues bring up awareness which is what mindfulness is about but because a lot of people i think if they're if you're not really expert if you're not willing to learn more about it like us use the word trauma and emotional trauma very loosely and people think that oh kids went through emotional trauma when you're younger they'll forget about it they'll get over it but a lot of people view is without the proper guidance they just suppress their trauma but there's anything could act as a trigger for mm-hmm. trauma and it just comes up randomly at any point of your life it just happens because your trauma doesn't go away because what people don't understand is exactly what you alluded to in a very powerful way is that it happens on a neurological level it is literally on the deepest level in the core like in your core level part of who you are and makes you who you are so if you almost really heal those emotional baggages and trauma you're going to carry those baggages with you it's like you're trying to sprint with 50 pounds of duffel bag or bags on your back how fast can you sprint not very fast mm-hmm. one so. thing that i almost just thought of with that point is that trauma is subjective i'm curious as to what your thoughts on that is personally i found trauma in just being a fat kid like growing up i struggled with that throughout my life so although it wasn't something very significant or something you know compared to the adversity that's out there it's really pretty minuscule but it's really the subjective experience and kind of the identity that I built around that struggle that ultimately kind of manifested itself as trauma. So do you think that everyone has it in some sense? It's just how they create it or how they identify with that experience? Yeah. So before I answer that question, one um, really good resource for you guys or anybody listening who wants to nerd out on the actual physiological manifestations of trauma is this book called the body keeps the score immediately thought of it when you said that the body is the perfect accountant because i think that the author literally writes that in the book at some point but that's a great resource um as far as your question to answer your question about whether or not trauma is subjective um I think the easiest way to look at trauma is that trauma is just when your safety is threatened that's traumatic and to talk about whether or not safety is being threatened i think one of the easiest resources to talk about that is maslow's hierarchy of needs so if one of those first two categories i would say is threatened um, which we can use you as an example since we've already talked about me but if you were a fat kid and you made up the story that because you're fat nobody's going to love you because who would love a fat kid then that would that would violate the second level of maslow's hierarchy of needs of of being loved and feeling protected and feeling safe and so if you're not loved then that's trauma so i think that people always look to like what is what is trauma and like if you haven't been raped or assaulted or seen somebody raped or assaulted then like you haven't experienced trauma emotional trauma just comes down to feeling is an inherent feeling of not being safe and you can just look at maslow's hierarchy of needs and if those first couple of needs aren't met at some point then there's going to be emotional trauma and at some point in all of our lives those needs weren't met whether it was very young from not having capable parents or maybe once you went into the world of 
middle school and your parents weren't there to protect you much as the case with you Aiden like that when other people come into your world and they're able to start to manipulate the way that you create stories and beliefs about yourself then that will eventually create trauma as well it's just I think that trauma is almost a part of the human experience and I, I think that we're better for it because if it's not for the trauma then there is no deliverance. If there's no pain, then there's no purpose. Like all of these things kind of work together. It's just, it's tough to tell a 14 year old who fucking hates himself that eventually when he's in his mid twenties, he's going to be able to change the world because of what he's going through now. There's no light without the darkness, right? Yeah, exactly. Only if they recognize there is a problem to fix. Like if you, if you gotta you know, overcome that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think the fundamental nature of trauma is universal is like I said to your point of it comes down to boils down to the simple concept of do you feel safe do you feel loved but I think the extent of that trauma on individual is subjective like I was a chubby kid and I internalized that and it was traumatic which motivated both of us to lose weight make a physical change transport a journey but maybe that may not affect some people who grow up with the right nurture right because it's nature and nurture so so maybe that trauma is not as traumatic to John out there who just grew up thick skins who had just had so much love and high self-esteem that it may hurt him at a time but it's not traumatic to us it was traumatic but I think it could be probably both in a deeper level it's universal objective but on a personalized level it probably is subjective and I think we're almost inherently wired to seek out problems Mark Manson makes this argument in his book a subtle art of not giving a fuck basically we're problem-solving machines so if everything's great, if we can order takeout to our apartment with our cell phones, we're inevitably going to look around and find problems in everyday life, regardless of if they're significant, if they actually matter, because we need to solve problems at the end of the day, we're just going to create our own micro problems that might actually not actually matter. Have you guys seen that at all through, you know, client relationships, individual relationships, or even in yourself? hundred percent so I would say the past year or two ever since I moved back to Philadelphia post grad school my life has honestly been 9 out of 10 it's 9 out of 10 because I don't have girlfriends if I were to have a girlfriend it would be 10 out of 10 but like my life objectively is honestly in a such a content state of mind like my job is great I love my job I'm not dreadful Sunday come around because I don't like I love my job so Monday is fine even though I work 60 hours a week life's great I love my apartment, I love my roommates, I love my social friends that's going on, I love all these factors that's happening. Everything is honestly great. I just find myself, because people get complacent, and I feel like, to the point you talked about, you look, a lot of mental roadblocks and mental barriers are self-inflicted, because you look for ways, because we're inherently, what is it, problem-solving machines you talked about. So to me personally, a lot of problems that I've identified and tr or troublesome in the past two years at least were entirely self-inflicted and they're not really problems. They're just stress that I look for ways because my life is going seemingly perfect. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons that I actually got into meditation was to let myself have silence. So if, if I am constantly looking for those problems, then yeah, I'm gonna look for those problems because like to run my business, everybody thinks that I'm super hardworking. I'm not that hardworking. I work like four hours a day and that's it. Uh, it doesn't really take that much for me to continue to grow my business because I've, I've gotten good at it. So I really don't have 
that much of my day that is like scheduled shit that I need to do. And so I have a lot of free time. And if I let myself, I will create all the problems in the world. Like I'll sit on hinge and I'll swipe on hinge for three hours. Cause I'm like, I need a girlfriend tomorrow, you know? And so I think that what meditation has done for me, and this is actually, this is the topic of today's meditation, which is why it's so fresh. But when you're listening to a song, you let there be silence in the song. And sometimes the silence is even like a beautiful part because it's tasteful silence that you incorporate into the song. But we don't let ourselves have silence in our lives and in our minds. And I think that, you know, we're always trying to like fill that void with something, doing something, um, or just thinking problems through that don't even exist. And so meditation for me has allowed myself to just like, have a calm mind and just enjoy the moment where there's nothing at hand for me to be doing or thinking about. But I totally fall into the trap of holy shit. Like I need to get three clients tomorrow. Like my bank account's going to be empty by the end of the week. If I don't get another client or like the girlfriend thing, you know, but just like you were talking about, like my, my life is pretty fucking great. Like every aspect of my life is pretty much taken care of. So like, do I really need to be worrying in this moment? And I think that that is one of the reasons why I incorporate meditation in my life is if I could practice creating that silence and meditation, then I can create that silence when there's nothing that needs to be done. I agree fully because meditation, I think, especially for me, kind of creates a gap between the event and your reaction, right? So stressful things aren't, things aren't inherently stressful stress is actually like your reaction to the event so there's nothing that makes an event stressful it's just how what you do on the other side of it so personally what i've found from meditation is i have a gap between that where i can actually look at the thing look at the event almost from an outside view and then decide how i'm going to act similar to how you set an intention whenever you walk into a new circumstance but it's kind of setting an intention for how you are going to react to that specific event so I completely agree kind of meditation allows you to have that silence that no thought because silence can be the best teacher sometimes yeah. you know when there's nothing there no external noise it's just what you said everything is within you just let that within kind of settle in silence in the army we have this motto called embrace the suck so mm. when you get into trouble one of the most common disciplinary measures that the sergeants or commanding officers do is, let's say you are late to your drill. The report time is usually 6 a.m. I mean the Army Reserve, which is a monthly commitment. So I was late quite a few times in college because I went to Penn State and I shouldn't have gone out to drinking, but I did. So I woke up late and attended a few drills late. And how I get disciplined is doing, it's called KP, as your kitchen work. You have to clean up and help set up for the kitchen by washing dishes, clean up, mopping the floor for the whole unit, which is extremely laborious. It's about four hours of cleaning, which is, it sucks, right? But if you think about it, objectively, it is kind of shitty, right? There is maybe micro level of stress, but, but once you think about it, like, okay, I fucked up, so now I'm getting disciplined because I fucked up. So it's four hours of cleaning, but it's just cleaning. I'm not going through foxholes and shooting enemies or fighting you know under fire which is cleaning in a very safe environment but you create all this resistance it's like it's like oh man i have to clean four hours it's gonna blow 
all these resistance that are just completely self-inflicted now just made this task a lot more laborious and a lot more stressful. Like you said, the task itself is not that stressful. It's the reaction and the resistance they attach to it that makes it so much um, stressful. So it's called embrace the suck. When you know something shitty is going to happen that's sucky, just embrace it. Because you can't change it, so what else can you do? Yeah, one of my one of my all-time favorite books is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he talks about how there's really only three different purposes for life. And one of those purposes is suffering. And so a human can choose to suffer if he knows that there is something on the other side of that suffering. And so maybe that suffering is worthwhile. And so that that's what I always think of whenever I hear Embrace the Suck because... Um, Again, another story here, but that book was given to me at a time in my life where it could not have come at a better time. I was literally like probably should have been on some sort of like a suicide watch and somebody just gave me that book completely out of nowhere. Like him and I had never had a philosophical conversation before. He was another one of the interns at Temple University when I was working for the football team and he just showed up and he was just like, hey, this is a really great book. I think that you should read it. And I never read people's books when they suggest them to me because I, I was such a slow reader. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. But he, he printed it out on a PDF and he handed it to me. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll read the old man's book. He's also, he was the head of the exercise science department and he's a doctor of physical therapy and he just interns with the football team for fun. So just the fact that he was there at all is just like very weird. <laughs> and then on top of it, he just hands me this book and I read it. And at that time in my life, like that was my Holocaust. Like I was putting myself through all of this suffering. And, uh, you know, I had to ask myself the question of like, for what? And then I'm pretty sure I got in a car accident like within a week later. So it was just like all of these things were lining up in my life. But yeah, so that that's kind of where my mind goes to when we talk about suffering is like maybe there's a purpose for the suffering. So uh, could we, so we talked about a lot of your fitness journey, what prompted you to enter the industry and the pivotal points that you went through that really grew you internally, which effectively in turn helped you grow your business. But since we all are very aware of the fact that fitness is probably one of the most oversaturated markets there are. So could we talk about some of the barriers that you face on a day-to-day basis? Because I'm sure when you talked about, you don't have this impactful work ethics, you work four hours a day. But there's a difference between effectively working for four hours and just fucking around and putting Netflix in the background and just clocking in and working eight hours. It's better to work intentionally for four hours, right? But with all that in mind, what are the greatest challenges and barriers that you've faced and maybe some of the strategies you came up to overcome those barriers? I mean, the biggest barrier for me is that there's just so much bullshit in the industry. And if you don't understand, like, exercise science and physiology and nutrition and stuff, it's really easy for you to read everything and just be like, well, I don't really know what's true. So the the question is, how do I get people to trust me over somebody else when I know that I'm an expert? Like I, I got to go through this certification. I'll go on a little bit of a tangent where I'll brag. So I got to go through this certification that's like an invite only certification. And they only let like, I think 30 people a year go through it. And so I got to go through this like advanced program design and nutrition course. And so I know when I'm looking at all these other fitness coaches content, I know that I'm smarter than them. And I know that I know more about training and nutrition, but it's how do I convince somebody that I'm right? 
And I think ultimately, like as far as marketing goes, it just comes down to getting people to know you and love you and trust you. So for me, it's letting people into my life and letting them see me for me. And it's really hard for me to do, you know, going back to my mission, my mission is to firstly connect with myself. And so for me to make a connection with somebody else, sometimes it's really hard because I feel disconnected from myself and how can I connect with somebody else if I'm disconnected from myself? And so it's really, it's really difficult for me to get clients that way because it's really hard to make somebody trust you when maybe you don't trust yourself. And no matter how much I know and how much I know that I could support that person, I need to break through it myself first. But I think that's also what makes me such a good coach and why I ultimately am able to find success is that I have to work on myself so hard in order to grow my business. And because I work so hard on myself, when it comes time to help somebody else, all of my clients are way more receptive to the work we do than I am. <laughs> so like I'm in this coaching group, for example, it's uh, seven fitness entrepreneurs and we all work together with this marketing coach and this mindset coach. And like they have been making leaps and bounds of progress in their business because like they get these things from these coaches and they just are able to run with them. And like I'm not, there's a big, big block for me that I work to break through. But every time that I break through a block, it's like they have already broken through three or four. And so then when I'm able to take that to a client, like they make insane progress. Like I had my first coaching call with a new client the other day who has seen like four different therapists and he's been through every personal development like seminar and course there is. And on our first coaching call, he was like, that's unlike anything that I've ever done before. I actually think this is going to work. And I was just like, that was mind blowing for me. Whereas in my own personal development journey, like there are days where I'm just like, this is never going to fucking work. Like I'm going to be stuck here forever. And so I have to get to break through that and becoming such a powerful coach is ultimately what serves me to be able to create that connection to where somebody is willing to trust me over somebody else is I like know that I'm the best coach out there. And I think that that is what gives me the edge. A lot of other people, they're just, you know, in it for the money, or maybe they don't actually have that belief that they're the best coach, but they know that they can get somebody results. Getting somebody results isn't good enough for me. Like I, I want to be the best coach. If I'm not the best option for somebody, I'd rather them work with somebody else. And I refer clients out all the time. If somebody comes to me and they have goals that don't align with what I do, I'll refer them to someone else. I have no problem doing that. So I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is like, how do I get this person to trust me over everyone else in the industry? And also I charge a very high ticket price compared to most other coaches. So how do I get them to not only trust me over other people, but then see the value in what I do versus what everyone else does? because there's this whole mindset aspect of it. And because the coaching is so individualized, there's so much more that goes into it than just like, here's your workout program and here's your nutrition program and like have at it, we'll talk soon. And I think it's that investment that kind of breeds the trust. Cause I know putting like in my personal circumstance, I knew that it was gonna be financially difficult to work with you. But as we discussed on our first call, I was kind of just being called to work with you. It was just like, weird things kept popping up saying like, you know, that whisper, Hey, work with Nick. I forget. Like it wasn't anything specific, but just that intuition, like, yo, you should do this kind of thing. 
So once I finally did, it's that in, or that investment that really says, all right, you're in this, you put your money down. And I had to completely jump in with absolute trust because as we've talked about, and as you know, I just never ate carbs for my entire life. That was like my dieting strategy was like, carbs are evil in some way because that's how the oversaturated fitness market marketed to me, right? There was keto and Atkins and all that stuff. I just basically said carbs are the enemy. I walk in with Nick and he's like, yo, you're gonna eat 400 grams of carbs a day. And this was week one, so my mind was completely blown, but I had to go in with that absolute trust and just you know respect for the knowledge that you have. And ultimately on the opposite side of those 12 weeks, as you know difficult as the workouts were, like you wrote me some gnarly programming, but it was so worth it in the long run. Cause now it completely changed not only my physique, but more so how I approach all of fitness altogether. You know, I'm not afraid of carbs. I know that that's fuel for your body. So that was like a big nutrition lesson of, I guess, eat more food, fuel your body correctly. Do you have any other, I guess, pieces of overarching tangible advice for someone trying to get in better shape? Just obviously you can't write them in nutrition, but just overarching themes of fitness, nutrition, things that are maybe misconceptions right now that you'd wish to dispel? Yes, I would love to get in that, but First, I want to touch on something that you said about the investment. So when you invest in another fitness coach, you're giving over money and you're hopefully going to get some sort of fitness result from it. But because of what I do with my mindset coaching, the reason I charge such a high ticket price. So I have one client who, while working with me, he quit his job and started his own business and is now generating five figures a month. I have another client who's gotten three raises and two promotions. And so like, yeah, they get fitness results too, but like most of my clients end up making more money while they work with me too. Mm-hmm. And I know that going in. So that that's another thing about the investment portion is like, yeah, it's fucking scary to invest that money, but like is what you're doing working for you right now. But as far as like tangible fitness advice goes, let's see, where can we start out? So I think the most important thing that most people can change is how many servings of protein per day that they're taking in. So most people eat like three three meals a day and one snack. I also know that like intermittent fasting is hugely popular right now and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with intermittent fasting and fasting also has like some biohacking benefits beyond, you know, so if we talk about like optimal human performance versus like body composition, it just kind of depends on your goal, but if your goal is body composition, which most of my clients are, I think that four to five servings of protein a day is a really good place for most people to start. Um, What I like to call them is boluses. So you can have a bolus that's between 20 and 50 grams of protein at a time, much above 50. And we're going to run into some local inflammation issues, which will show up in the form of bloating is what most people would be familiar with them with and less than 20 grams of protein at a time. And we won't hit the threshold to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So I think four to five servings of a decent amount of protein a day is a really good place to start. The next thing that we would look at is meal timing. So how many times per day are you eating? So again, I said four to five servings of protein. Uh, We also want to space those out. So muscle protein synthesis gets elevated for about three to four hours. So if you eat within those three to four hours, you're kind of just negating the benefits that you'd be getting. 
space your meals out three to four hours, eat four to five times a day, have a protein serving with each of those meals, eat a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, I think the area that I really stand out as far as what I provide to my clients nutritionally is evidence-based supplementation. So I, I've, not that I think you need supplements, but the way that I always explain it to people is if supplements are 5%, would you, like if I'm coaching high achievers and high performers, which I said earlier, like I've always been interested in those people. And so I know that people are coming to me wanting to get the best results they possibly can, especially because they're investing a significant amount of money, like go the extra 5%. So invest in the supplements. So I do provide my clients with a pretty wide range of supplements. I think the most important things that people should be taking are fish oil. And you can attest to this. We probably took more fish oil than you've ever taken in your entire yep. life. Yeah, most definitely. Every morning, the big, big old fishy pills Yeah, paid off enormously for yeah. sure. So I take two to four grams of fish oil a day. Um, and at a certain point of time when I was working with uh, my own fitness, you know, when I was going through this fat loss journey, I was taking eight grams of fish oil on some days. So in the American standard diet, the ratio of uh, EPA and DHA is like horribly, horribly off. It's like 50 to one and it's supposed to be three to one. So in order to counterbalance that, you get to take tons of uh, omega-3 fatty acids to help. So essentially what like omega-6 does is omega-6 helps your body turn on inflammation, which everybody gets scared of inflammation. Let's just put this to rest right now, inflammation is very important and it's it's an immune response. So if our immune system's not working, we're never gonna get jacked. <laughs> so let's make sure that we're working from an immune system perspective first. So omega-6s are important, uh, but omega-3s is what turns inflammation off. And so if we don't have the omega-3s to counterbalance the omega-6s, then we're just gonna be in chronic inflammation mode all the time, which is what a lot of people run into, especially us dudes who love hypertrophy training, hypertrophy training causes a lot of inflammation. And so if you never, first of all, if you don't cycle away from hypertrophy training, and then on top of it, your diet sucks, you're never going to build any muscle because you're just constantly inflamed. And so when people start working with me, they do things like our lactic AMPK based training that we did in the first training cycle, Aiden. And that is like an anti-inflammatory type of training. And then on top of that, we start supplementing with fish oil and their inflammation goes away. They all of a sudden get a hell of a lot leaner. And my clients tend to lose body fat and build muscle at the same time, which is impossible, but it's not impossible if we optimize the inside. And so I think that supplementation is a place where you can start to do that. I can vouch because that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I got stronger in all of my lifts, dropped probably five or six pounds throughout the 12 weeks we worked together and I guess it was all training that I had never done before like you sent me over a pdf of lactic acid no idea what that meant I was like all right gotta trust it though yeah so I think those are all really common and because all of the online muscle fitness bodybuilding says all right go lift a four by eight and then pound your face with whey protein right so if there's no nothing to counterbalance that I think that's a really important myth to kind of dispel yeah, one of the things that I took from my advanced nutrition course that I thought was like so simple and so profound at the same time, but it's that nobody's ever gotten too jacked because they were too healthy. 
yeah, I mean, it's incredible. You know, if we just take care of the inside of our body, then if everything is running more efficiently, it only makes sense that we would be better at losing body fat and building muscle. But instead, like, people just want to try to force things. And, like, you know, we've talked plenty in this conversation mm-hmm. so far outside of health and fitness. But what happens when you just try to force things, you know? Like, if you don't change the beliefs first and you just try to do, 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 you end up taking the wrong action. And the same is true with trying to optimize your your body composition if you're just trying to build muscle but you're not taking care of your health first well you're not going to build muscle you're not going to lose body fat it's because people gravitate towards instant gratification everyone the reason why all these hacks and all these false advertisers and fitness influencers work because they towards a mass to try to scale their false influence because people always want to fast track to that perfect physique that girls draw over or that give you that false ego and false confidence. But also there is that wealth of knowledge, scientific knowledge, evidence suggests that omega-3 has so much uh, neurological benefits. It helps you retain your memory, increases your clarity, increases your focus. So omega-3 is something that I take religiously. The fact that things like hydroxycut are still on the market is absurd because everyone wants that one magic pill that they all advertise as being. But you read the back of the bottle, it's no nothing you can pronounce no one knows what any of the chemicals in there are that's how it works i took it i took it twice and you literally feel like you're gonna pop out of your skin it's like meth or something but it's just everyone's looking for that short-term approach to such a larger scale yeah it's so easy to sell the physique you know but here i am (laughs) my physique's nothing special i've been training my whole freaking life and like i i still have like 14 inch arms or something you know, and so like, how am I supposed to compete with these people who have like incredible physiques, you know? And so that's why it comes down to, you know, not just like the fitness and nutrition knowledge that I have over them. Like I guarantee that they don't even know what the fuck inflammation is. And I could describe that entire biochemical process, but it comes down to the, the mindset coaching again, you know, if we, if we transform what's going on internally, then like most people know what they should be doing. Like, you know, you should eat more protein you know you should be eating more fruits and vegetables like you know that you should be getting seven to eight hours of sleep and you should drink more water like we know all this shit so why aren't you doing it you know and it has nothing to do with anything that people think it is like you don't need like some hardcore bodybuilding bro with no shirt on who's sweating on your face while you're bench pressing to be yelling at you like you need to change your beliefs (laughs) like that's how you create sustainable change and so like I could sit here and give you all the tips in the world and I would love to, I love nutrition, I love training, but ultimately like you already probably know what you need to do. You need to move more and eat less or you need to eat more and move more. <laughs> like those, that's it, you know? And, and so like there's nuanced things that we can talk about and I'm down to answer any questions, but ultimately like it, it comes down to the beliefs because you just won't take the proper action despite the information that you have. In this day and age, our parents didn't have to deal with paralysis analysis because they didn't have all the fucking information we do. But I, you know, before I unfollowed everybody on Instagram, I was following a thousand people who were telling me all the fitness information I'll ever need. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like, it's just crazy. That's why your company's mind for muscle, right? You need to have the mind to create the muscle. Yeah, exactly. I just, I, I was going to make it the mind muscle connection, but I think somebody had already taken that. But I just, I like the alliteration, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. So we, so that's a perfect segue. So could we circle back to a little bit earlier about through our interview? 
because you talked about how you it sounds like you're very similar to us where Aiden and I we share a lot of intrinsic values and we really really align ourselves we try to align our passion our life with our what we believe in our belief system and you talked about where you would refer or defer a lot of your clients that come to your way to other coaches because they're not exactly in line with what you believe in and Aiden told me about this immense contract and this lucrative opportunity to turn down because that is not you did not want to use that to define who you are as a person and as your business model. Uh, we would love to hear more about that story and how it turned out. Yeah, so I hold integrity very near and dear to me. And um, before I go into the actual story, I just want to provide like the philosophical framework for how I made the decision ultimately. So a lot of people think that it's, it's have, do, be. So I, I have this really nice expensive car and if I have this really nice expensive car, then I'll, I'll go to all of the fancy parties. And if I go to all the fancy parties, then I'll, I'll be happier. And I would contest that it's the exact opposite. So if I be a certain way, if I start choosing to be happy, then I will start doing you know X, Y, Z. Like if I decide that I'm going to start being a, a happy person that rich and successful people wanna be in the room with, then I'll start going to those parties where the rich and successful are. And if I network with the rich and successful, I'll eventually land myself a deal to where I'm making shit tons of money and I buy the fancy car. So it's be, do, have is the real way. And so when it came to this deal, essentially what happened was, give you a little bit of background about how like my online fitness space works. There's online fitness coaches and there's usually business coaches for online fitness coaches. So I, I've worked with several business coaches at this point, and they all used to be fitness coaches who had success, and they decided that they were going to become business coaches to help fitness coaches. So one of the business coaches who I've created a relationship with, he was looking to kind of move up to uh, the next level. So he'll be a business coach who coaches business coaches who coach fitness coaches. So he's looking to hire in these new coaches. And with all the work that I've been doing with my clients, I've gotten to a point where health and fitness is like barely anything that we're working on at this point. So it's all really this mindset stuff. And like my, my business coach had a mindset coach. So I contacted him and was like, Hey, you know, if you were going to hire a mindset coach, like what kinds of things would you be interested in? And I literally just asked him for advice. I thought no way in the world he'll ever offer me a position on coaching with him. And so we started talking and he was giving me some advice. And then he said, you know, why don't you come in? You do a free training for my clients. And if it goes well, like maybe we can have a conversation about actually working together. I'm like, holy shit, that's going to be awesome. Like I get to teach fitness coaches. Sounds great. And, you know, and, the, and I want to backtrack before anybody makes the assumption that the reason I would want to work with fitness coaches is because I make more money coaching them than I do my fitness clients. But I want to coach coaches because coaches have clients. And so I'm essentially expanding my impact. So instead of my 15 or so clients, I can have 15 coaches who have 15 clients. And so all of a sudden I'm, I'm touching hundreds of lives. That's just a side, side tangent before anybody thinks it's about the money. It's not. This sounds like pyramid scheme to me. Okay. That, it, that is that is what a lot of people say, and it would be if there was revenue sharing, but there's no revenue sharing. And no, actually, no, you, you actually deliver actual products, of course. Right. 
Well, some people do. I do. <laughs> um, so then we get on a conversation and we have a few conversations about what coaching would be like together. And he actually, he just scrapped the free training idea. He was like, I want to make this work long term, blah, blah, blah. And so we're talking it out. I'm learning about his business and everything. And he has a $2 million business. So he has a $2 million business and he wants me, he has three group coaching programs, each with 20 people in them. And then he has his one-on-one coaching as well. So you figure I'm going to be coaching between like 70 and 90 people because he wants me to coach all of his clients because he doesn't have any mindset coaches on staff. So I'm coaching 70 to 90 people and you run a $2 million business. When I hear that, that should be a six-figure paycheck, an easy six-figure. The number I have in my head is 10% revenue. So when we go to start talking about the compensation, he offered me $20 an hour. How much? $20 an hour. And so I I do the math real quick. I'm like, okay, well, how many hours a week do you think I'm going to work? Blah, blah, blah. And $20 an hour worked out to be like a few hundred dollars a month that I was going to be making from this gig. And I was just like, there's no fucking way. There's no way. And he says that $20 an hour is the industry standard. And I'm like, the standard of what industry? (laughs) Like your clients are paying you $3,500 for 10 weeks and you're paying me $20 an hour and you're not even coaching them. I'm fucking coaching them. And you're just teaching them business strategy. I'm changing their life. (laughs) Where's the disconnect? Mm -hmm. And so we give it like another 48 hours. I come back and he says, I basically was like, fuck no, I'm not doing $20 an hour. So we go back and he offers me $40 an hour and I do the math and $40 an hour uh, would have been like a few thousand dollars a month. And then he said, you know, over the course of the next six months, he wanted to raise the compensation like $5 every month. And it would have eventually gotten like 70 or 75 would have been like eight or nine K a month, which would have turned into a six figure salary. And ultimately I decided to turn it down. And the reason I turned it down Even though it would have given me the opportunity to do what I want, coach a lot more people, have what I want, six figures, (laughs) sounds pretty good. In order to do and have those things, what I would have had to be, I I wouldn't choose into that. So he was basing the amount of money that he wanted to pay me on the industry standard. And to me, that tells me that this person is just trying to live up to what everybody else is doing in the industry. And he was, he was being very selfish about it too. You run a $2 million company, you're not willing to pay the person who's coaching all of your clients and is thus responsible for the results of your fucking company. You're not willing to pay that person like more than 40 hours an hour. So my experience of him was that he's selfish. My experience of him was that he wanted to be average and I'm not average and I'm not selfish. So even though it gave me the opportunity to do and have what I want, it was going to make me choose to be somebody I don't want to be. So I think that's important that you said that would be kind of the industry standard. Like that was a typical looking business for what the industry is today. What do you kind of see going forward in the industry or what would be values or things would you bring that you think would deliver the most value kind of in the fitness industry moving forward? Yeah, so I think that Like I was talking about earlier, when it comes to fitness, everybody knows what to do, but they need to change who they are in order to do what they have to do. And when it comes to business, it's the same way. Like you go through one business mentorship where they teach you how to like market and 
generate leads and do a sales call and they teach you all these systems and strategies once you learn the systems and strategies like there's nothing more that you need to know you just need to do something different and so that's why i think that somebody like myself with personal development i think that really that's what is going to revolutionize the business industry and the fitness industry is let's teach people how to become the best versions of themselves and they'll take the action that they need to because they already know what to do. It's not that fucking complicated. Like, business isn't even that complicated. Like, I, I, you know, that's why I only work a few hours a day because what I do is is I write Instagram captions, I fulfill my clients' services, I talk to potential new clients, which is just connection. So it's my purpose in life, and then I do sales calls, which is usually just connection amplified. And there's an exchange of energy where I give you coaching and you give me money. And so like business isn't that complicated either. But if you want to grow your business, you have to grow into a better coach and a better leader. That has nothing to do with business systems and strategies. So that's where I ultimately see myself being able to be involved in evolving the industry is I'm kind of like an early adopter to this idea that if you change yourself internally, then you can change your, your external circumstances. And I think the same could be said about anything. Like I, I was talking to you guys before we started recording. I think I could be a relationship coach. Like you put a, a, a couple in front of me. And I think that if I were to break down their subconscious beliefs and help them understand where each other is coming from and why they're having these fights comes from unhealed emotional trauma boom, I should fix the relationship. So I think the same is going to happen in the fitness and business world as well. I think Therapist Nick has a pretty good ring next to it. So that could be your next uh, business venture. Yeah, there's just a lot of school that has to go into uh, being becoming a therapist. The beautiful thing about the online space, beautiful and ugly, is that there is no barrier to entry. So when I started coaching, I had the exercise science degree which you know is a really damn good one, but I actually didn't have any certifications. Um, I don't even think I had a certification when I started coaching you, Aiden. I think I was working through the certification at the time. And I, I always reference like the Tony Robbins story. I, I know I've talked mm, to you about this, absolutely. but I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Robbins story, but he, he has no certifications at all. So he started training to become um, one of those guys that helps people break out of uh, like alcohol addiction. Can't think of what that's called. But he was going through like the weekend lawn training seminar and he got like one or two days into it. And he was just like, I think I can help people. And so he just ditched it. And they were all like, wait, you can't just ditch it. Like you're not certified. And he was like, but I can help people. And so then, you know, obviously everybody tuning in knows who Tony Robbins is now. He's one of the most successful people in the world. Uh, what he does and like he literally doesn't have a certification so it, it's beautiful and ugly in that anybody can just start helping people but anybody can start helping people like if you feel like you can start helping people then do it and so like becoming a therapist it takes a lot of like real work but I can be a mindset coach on Instagram and I know that like could I eventually become a therapist if I wanted to yeah but then I'm gonna wait three four years to you know be able to start changing lives i can change lives right now yeah you're right i think information is so ubiquitous that you really have to tread that water very carefully with the right intent and the proper guidance but i think that's a perfect segue to conclude this so as coach nick 
what are some of, like as Coach Nick, if you were to give a pep talk to your mentees, to future leaders, to future mindset game changers, what would that pep talk, a pep talk sound like? If I was, if I was going to give a, a pep talk to everybody listening, I think I would start by telling you to stop being a fucking victim. I think that's where it really starts. Everybody is a victim of the circumstances and the experiences that they've been through. And being a victim is a choice that you're choosing into. And if you feel like you haven't chosen into being a victim, not making a choice is a choice. So make the choice today to step out of victimhood and that will open a whole new world of possibilities for you where you get to start gaining that awareness and then ultimately being able to break through those limiting beliefs and gaining clarity and like all these things that we've talked about throughout the episode, it all comes down to a choice for you to step out of your own victimhood. So stop being a fucking victim is where I would, I would tell people to start. Yeah, that's powerful. Do not predicate your future based on your past. So coach Nick, where could people find you? Here's your plugging session. Where could people transform themselves through your insights? So I would follow me on Instagram, Nick underscore Boletto, and then I would add me on Facebook and just add me as a friend because ultimately, like, again, going back to the whole human connection thing, I'm not like any bigger or better than anybody else. So any potential clients to me is, is a friend as much as they are a mentee. So just add me on Facebook and follow me on Instagram. And then when you follow me on Instagram, you'll see the link in my bio which will take you to my free Facebook Mind for Muscle Inner Circle where I drop fire content that is not seen on my personal pages. So you should also join that. I can vouch the Inner Circle has some of the most profound content I've seen in the fitness space out there right now. And before we really close things up, I definitely want to acknowledge you, Nick, not only for what you've done for me, but kind of what you're continuing to do for everyone out there, uh, especially in such a saturated market as the fitness Instagram space may be. I think everyone's eventually going to wake up that they need more than just a four by eight program, but it actually comes down to what we've talked about of reversing the beliefs, stop playing victim. And I can't wait until I see your snowball of a business to start rolling because it's truly the change that people need and it's only a matter of time. So seriously, thank you very much for being a guest on our show. And thank you for all the mental gains, knowledge that you dropped on both of us and to many more people out there. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This conversation was so much more than I thought it would be. So I'm really happy to have been a part of it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Follow us on Instagram at Discover More Podcast. And please share this with your friends and everyone that you know. Thanks for listening to another episode of Discover More, where we intend to discover more life through intentional dialogues. And we truly appreciate everyone who have made it until the end. Till next Monday.